Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. So thankful for that emphasis that we just sang together. Um, that's where the focus needs to be on Christ, what He has done, I mean, what He by His grace and kindness, kindness has called us to do uh, for Him. Um, our great need is to have our hearts warmed not only to the needs of the world. Our great, great need is to have our hearts um, captured by Christ and truly ravished with his glory, with his love, with the great privilege that he gives to us to be his people and to be his instruments in this world as he builds his church. Um, so thank you so much, uh, chamber singers. Thank you for ministering to us and allowing us to minister along with you. Uh, that was wonderful. Uh, so good to be here uh, at Maranatha again. My wife and I were here in February. I got to speak in chapel for a day then, and it's so good to be here again and actually see the campus. Um, in February, you don't see a lot of anything, so it's really nice to see the beautiful campus that the Lord has uh, given to you here, and I'm really grateful for these couple days that we'll be able to spend with you. We'd, we'd love to get to meet as many of you as we can. Uh, we'll be in and out of the lobby of the dining complex uh, today and tomorrow some as well. We have a table there in the lobby. Um, really want to interact with you as much as we can, get to know you, get to know how we might be able to pray for you, uh, serve you in any way we could. We have materials there in the lobby. There are places you can sign up for some newsletters we have that share missions opportunities. Um, there's some contact cards there if there's some way you'd like to connect with us and let us know how we might be able to pray for you and, and serve you. We'd really be, be thankful for that as well. So thank you for having us. Thank you for your good welcome. Um, and and we, we thank the Lord for the opportunity to, uh, to be here these two days. A young aspiring minister wrote in his diary on March 8th, 1860, No day passes without strong temptation to give up this work. This temptation appeals to me on the ground that I am not fitted for pastoral work. Writing sermons is often the hardest labor to me. Visiting is terrible. I often stand before a door unable to ring or knock, and sometimes I have gone away without entering. A lowness of spirit that it cost me a great deal to throw off is the consequence of this. And a real doubt whether it would not be better for myself and all whom it may concern if I should at once look for some work that I could undertake. Well, that young aspiring minister is not alone. Uh, the words of that young man reflect the sentiments of many in 2023. A recent 
Barna survey revealed that 42% of American pastors had considered stepping away from pastoral ministry during the recent months. They gave reasons like this, fear and stress and loneliness, family issues, conflicts in the church, a sense of inadequacy. And these burdens, these stresses weighed on them to the point where they were actually considering leaving the ministry. And I, uh, when, I, when I read that survey, I began thinking of what, what everyone is talking about today, how there are so few compared to in decades past, there are fewer and fewer entering vocational ministry. And I put the two together. If the sentiment among those already in ministry is what those words just uh, that I just read reflect, it shouldn't be surprising to us that fewer and fewer are entering missions, vocational ministry. So what can be done? Well, we've gone to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul knew stress and fear in ministry. The Apostle Paul knew loneliness and conflict. You can look at, at verses 12 and 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and see uh, one moment in Paul's ministry. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened unto me of the Lord... I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. What an amazing situation in the life of the Apostle Paul. He, he says clearly he had an opportunity to preach the gospel. A door was open to him. He actually had an opportunity to preach. He had an opportunity to go in and preach the gospel of Christ. But it was, he says, his restlessness of spirit that kept him from doing so. That is remarkable to me. His own restlessness of spirit caused him to leave that city and go elsewhere. He wanted to find Titus. He wanted to get some news from Corinth. And you probably know this story. Paul had written a very strong letter to correct that church in Corinth. And he wanted to get the news from Titus about how they were responding. He wanted to hear, how is that church in Corinth responding to my ministry? Responding to that correction that I gave to them. And so he's not finding Titus and his spirit is restless. What's going on in that church? And, and later in, in chapter 7 of this book... Paul refers to the same occasion and he, he, he talks about being troubled on every side with fighting without and fear within. And you could go through the New Testament and read a catalog of stresses and burdens in ministry. And on this particular occasion, that's what Paul was facing. And in that context, I think the contrast in verse 14 is absolutely gripping. Here's Paul with, with, with a restless spirit, fightings without and fears within, troubled on every side. That's the condition in his heart. That's the condition as he looks at ministry, at he, as he looks at what's going on at the church of Corinth. That's what's happening in his heart. But look at the contrast in verse 14. Verse 14. 
One commentator writes about verse 14, without a word of explanation, Paul leaps out of the slough of despond and springs like a bird to the heights of joy. I love that. Here's Paul with a restless spirit, fightings without and fears within. That's what's going on in his heart. And with that in our minds, let's read together verses 14 and following. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. What a contrast. What a contrast how Paul moves from restlessness of spirit to the heights of joy. In these chapters... Paul gives a lengthy exposition of the glory of gospel ministry. That's the kind of title that people put over these chapters. The glory of the ministry, the privilege of ministry, the triumph of gospel ministry. I like that word glory because it's what follows in chapter 3. You can look down beginning in verse 7, and we won't note all of these, but you can scan down verses 7 and following, and this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the glory of new covenant ministry, the glory of gospel ministry. That's what this whole section in 2 Corinthians is about. And the church of Jesus Christ today desperately needs to recover its sense of the glory of the ministry. Those who serve in full-time vocational ministry need the Spirit of God to lift them to those heights of joy. But this passage is not just for pastors and missionaries, not just for those who serve in what we call full-time ministry. Some do have a role in full-time ministry. But all believers enjoy the privilege of serving Christ and furthering His cause in, in, in the places and ways that He has appointed for all of us. This passage calls all believers, all of us, to an expectant, joyful confidence in what God is doing in the world today for His glory. It's not just for pastors and missionaries and those in full-time ministry. This passage is for every believer, and it calls on all of us, again I say it, to a confident, joyful expectation regarding what God is doing in the world today for His glory. And I want us to consider over the next two days these four verses in 2 Corinthians 2. And I'd like for all of us, by God's grace, to marvel, really marvel at the magnificence 
of gospel ministry. And I'd love, by God's grace, for the Spirit to do this work in our hearts so that all of us would commit ourselves entirely to that great cause in whatever way Christ chooses for us. Let's look today at verse 14 and tomorrow at the rest of the passage. The theme of verse 14 is so clear. Glorious gratitude in gospel ministry. Friends, if God would work in our hearts this morning and allow us to capture the the significance of what verse 14 says, we would serve him with joyful, confident expectation until Christ comes. Let's look at this glorious gratitude in gospel ministry. Verse 14 again, now thanks be unto God. And God is the subject of two verbs in in verse 14. You can pick them out so easily. Thanks be unto God. Here's the first thing that God does. He always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And here's the second thing he does. He maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thanks be unto God for those two things that he does. He is the subject of both. He does both things, so he gets the praise. He receives our thanks. Let's look at these two images, these two illustrations. Thanks be unto God. Glorious gratitude. Because he causes us to triumph in Christ. Verse 14. He causes us to triumph in Christ. Those words, cause to triumph, translate a word that in the first century referred to what we would call a Roman imperial victory parade. When the Roman army won an especially significant battle, the the Roman Empire held in Rome a celebration. It was a parade with the captives that they had captured, with the spoils of war, the victorious soldiers... And of course, the conquering general there in the middle of it all. And historians tell us that that Roman parade, that Roman victory parade, was a spectacular, grandiose scene. People say that it was absolutely magnificent to observe, unforgettable. I think it's absolutely wonderful that the Holy Spirit takes that word Do we understand this? When the readers of 2 Corinthians read this passage for the very first time and they saw this word, that's what they would have thought about. They would have thought about a glorious parade of triumph, a great celebration. And the Holy Spirit takes that word and applies it to the ministry of the gospel. That is absolutely magnificent. That God always causeth us to triumph in Christ. It's a great celebration. It's a great triumphal procession. Men and women, this is off the charts wonderful. To think about what God is doing in his church today. What God is doing to spread the gospel around the world today. What God is doing to build the church of his son today. It's a great celebration. 
And this is a matter of faith for us that God always leads us in this triumph, this great celebration in Christ. Think for a moment of the thousands of faithful churches around the world today. Let your mind wander around this world. Can I step over here? Is that legal? Okay, all right. I don't know. I don't know if I've got this wire too, but okay. Is it legal? You guys are laughing. Okay, all right. I'm going to step over here whether it's legal or not, okay? Think about the thousands of faithful churches around the world today. Let your mind wander around this world. Some of those churches meet in tiny little storefront buildings in the shadow of great skyscrapers and commercial centers. Right around the corner are the great halls of power. Some of those congregations huddle together in the fourth floor apartment, the lights off, so they're not detected by the authorities. And there's eight people in there. Some in history have met far outside of the cities. They've met in the catacombs. And all around there's the gleam and attraction of money and the pleasures of sin and the halls of power. And here are the people of God apparently just scraping by unseen and unknown and it seems so insignificant. But God says, no, no. Thanks be to God. What's going on in those congregations What's going on in that fourth floor apartment where the lights are off? That's a great celebration. It's a great victory parade with Christ at the front. You would never know that just by looking at it with human eyes, but the eye of faith can put on the lens of this text, 2 Corinthians 2.14, and rejoice with thanksgiving to God. Glorious gratitude. He always causeth us to triumph in Christ. That's what's going on in the world today. And that's the gratitude that you can have, that you can have as you commit yourself to carrying out the role that Christ gives to you in the church of Jesus Christ. It's a great celebration. God always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Those little words, in Christ, embedded in that phrase are so important. They remind us that in ourselves we are unworthy. In ourselves we are sinners and that only through our union with Jesus Christ do we experience this and all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It's in Christ that God gives this triumph to us. So he always leadeth us, always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And then secondly, in verse 14, look down at the text. God maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The second picture gives us another reason for giving thanks to God for having glorious gratitude. Thanks be to God, he always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And thanks be to God because he uses us 
in proclamation. During those Roman parades, the air was filled with the aroma of perfumes and flowers. But here, the fragrance, the savor, maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge, the knowledge of Christ. Could there be anything sweeter than that? This is what God is doing in the world today. He is doing it. He makes manifest this sweet savor. He is spreading everywhere the savor, the sweet savor, the sweet aroma of Christ. But here is the reason for gratitude. He's doing that. Look at the text. He maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge. And then four little letters. He does that. You find a reason for gratitude in those words? He does that by us. God uses us in the proclamation of Christ. In every place. You find motive for thanksgiving there. I once was far from God. Stained with sin. Contaminated through and through. Enslaved to my sin, enslaved to the devil, under the wrath of God, dead in my trespasses and sins, a child of disobedience, a child of wrath. But Jesus gave himself for me. And by his grace, by the grace of God, he worked in my heart and drew me to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And then he began using me as his instrument to proclaim that same knowledge of Christ, to make known that same sweet message of the gospel in every place. Is that your testimony as well? Is that your testimony as well? We have reason for great gratitude to God that he maketh manifest by us sinners whom he has redeemed this sweet savor of Christ. I want to apply this verse 14 to us in three ways this morning. As we consider this glorious gratitude in gospel ministry, thanks be to God who always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest by us the savor of Christ in every place. I first want to call us to believe these two universals. Believe these words. God says this. This is absolutely true. It is is not up for debate. God says he does this always. And God says he does this In every place. Do you believe those words? Do you believe those words? That no matter what things look like on the outside. No matter what is happening in the culture around us. No matter how small and insignificant things might seem. God says... Always, it's always, if that local church is following the word of God, if that ministry is seeking Christ and exalting Christ and doing it according to the word of God, God says that is always a triumph. 
And it's in every place that God is using us to spread the sweet aroma of Christ. Let's believe those words, friends. Let's really, let's have faith in the words of God. And secondly, let, let us all, can, I call on us this morning to commit ourselves, all of us, to the cause of Christ again. This verse should compel every single one of us to share the gospel. This verse should compel every single one of us to be involved in the cause of Christ with our whole hearts right now, right now as you serve in your local churches and in the future as God carries you to different places throughout this country and around the world. Keep this perspective in front of you. This is what God is doing. And you think of how you put your hand to the plow in ministry now and in the future. And things get hard and people don't respond the right way and people misunderstand you. And it just seems like so little is going on and you see so little visible fruit for what you are doing in the local church where God puts you someday. Keep these words in front of you. By the grace of God, I am participating in a grand triumph. And God is using me to make manifest the sweet savor of Christ in this local church where he has placed me. Thanks be to God. And third... As we consider the mission's emphasis these two days, there are places in this country and many, many places all around this world where, where this triumph, this grand celebration in Christ is not yet being experienced. There are still places in this world where the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ is not yet known. And we're sitting here so surrounded by so many privileges. We're sitting here in a land, as one missionary of another era said it, flooded with light. Flooded with light. We know what it means to participate in this triumph. We know what it means to participate in this grand celebration. We know what it means to be surrounded by the sweet aroma of Christ and to live in it. Praise be to God. But there are places that know nothing of the privileges that we enjoy. Perhaps God would have you, you, be the very first person to go to one of those places and see God begin the great triumph there. What a thrill. <laughs> what a thrill for the glory of God. What a wonderful ambition that God, by His grace, would use me to take the sweet aroma of Christ to a place that has never known it before. What a wonderful ambition for the glory of God. 
Perhaps you would be among the very first ones to go to some sad, forsaken place where they know nothing of Christ, and God would use you to spread around that place this precious, precious aroma of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. That's what you would say if God did that with you. That's what you would say. Thanks be to God. I, by His grace, I was able to participate here in the great triumph of Christ. And God used me, by His grace, to manifest the sweet aroma of Christ. Glorious gratitude in gospel ministry. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for Christ, our Savior. We thank you for calling our attention to Him today. And dear God, I pray we join our hearts together in praying together that you would work in our hearts. That you would would give us faith to believe these words always and in every place. That you would work in us so that we would be committed right now and, and through the rest of our lives in this world to giving ourselves to the cause of Christ in whatever way He chooses. With this in view, the the triumph and the sweet savor of Christ. And Lord, I pray for those in this room today on whom you desire to lay your hand and set apart for ministry. Dear God, stir in their hearts today with the prospect of being an instrument in the hands of Christ to take this triumph to new places, to spread this aroma in new places for the glory of your name. And Lord, if if there is someone like that in, in here today in whose heart you are stirring now, Lord, help that person find quiet today. And have a sacred, sacred hour. Committing himself, committing herself to pursuing, pursuing this calling by your grace and for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.